Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland. Welcome, world, to the podcast that has changed millions of lives and still goes around the globe as the podcast that sets the standard for all truth. Today, I have saved our listeners from the dreaded voice of singing I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. Yes, world, you're welcome. I did hate getting all that fan mail. I just get so tired of it. I get so tired of it. People always want me to sing. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's just It's with such a eloquent voice. Well, we're just Masterful tones. Yeah, we're busy. Like sugar plums. Yeah, we don't have sugar plums dancing on my head. I got the sugar plum going on. Yeah, you're sugar plum. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sugar plum. Well, Mr. Roland, yes, it's enough for our foolishness. Yes, I'm enough afraid. with the foolish jesting. Away with That's it. That's right. That, away with it. Away with it. Okay, Roland, we have a Rick Joyner's got a word that he come out with for this week, and it's called. They're actually having a conference down at Morningstar and uh, Rock. Is it Rock Hill or wherever they are down there, right outside yeah. of Charlotte? They have a conference. It starts today, I think. It starts on the 29th. That's today. It goes through the 31st, New Year's Eve. But the title of the conference was Prepare for War in 24. Yeah. And uh, that's a pretty stout title for a conference. But that's what the title of their conference is that they are now beginning on this morning, I'm assuming. That will be interesting on Kingdom Prophetic Society. As I can get the feed, the video feed, mm-hmm. uh, I will send that out to all members of Kingdom Prophetic Society. I can send out the feed, becomes available so people can actually watch it live if they'd like to. Cool. But this Prepare for War for 24 is Rick's article here. This was posted actually on Christmas Day, December the 20th. 25th. That would be a nice Christmas present. Yeah, wouldn't Prepare it? Prepare for, for war in 24. Yeah. It says the title for this week's word is also the title of our upcoming New Year's Eve conference. In this gathering, we seek to hear a prophetic word for the coming year. Thus, we call it the Vision Conference. The Lord has honored this, and our words have been getting increasingly specific and exciting. At last year's conference, Chris Reed gave his 40 prophecies for 2023 and beyond, which would either happen or began to unfold in 2023. Some of the more mystifying words happened within a few weeks, and now, as we approach the end of the year, it seems the rest will soon come to pass. We believe the Lord gave the title for this upcoming gathering, Prepare for War in 24, so we could seek Him for clarity on how to prepare. It is now obvious we are in a time of war, and it is more reality than prophetic. So the real question is, what can and should we, the body of Christ, do about this? Take her away, mouth of the South, Jeff Rowan. <laughs> wow. I like, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, was, well, I was trying to build Jeff for a little bit. <laughs> you read this and then just throw it to me as if you're throwing me under the bus. <laughs> I mean, this article is true. We are in a time of war. It is obvious. It goes directly hand in hand with the word. In Matthew 24, verse 6, it says, and you'll hear of wars That's and right. rumors of wars. And then it says, see that you be not troubled. So if We're going to talk about what do we do about it. The first thing we do is we don't allow our hearts to be troubled. And, you know, I've always believed that the Word of God is accurate to the detail. 
when Jesus was on the earth, he said that he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And he talked about that he was going to fulfill every yacht and tittle, just like when we dot our I's and cross our T's. If the word of God is so accurate down to the detail of its design, and I believe it is, I believe every number is there by design. I believe every word is there by design. And that being said, when Jesus says you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, well, Rick's right. We are in that reality. That is not a prophetic thing. That is a reality. And the reality is, is we have war with Russia and Ukraine. We have war with Gaza and Israel. That involves all the Mideast. All of Europe is clamoring over the war with Russia and, and the Ukraine. We have Iranian-backed Houthi rebels that are attacking United States interest. As a matter of fact, over 100 attacks on our military equipment and bases and soldiers have been carried out by the Houthi rebels during this Gaza-Israeli conflict. So the nations of the world is rising up against the nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That is a reality. If we look to the prophetic outlook of the body of Christ and what we should do, we can look to the word and what it says. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6, don't let this trouble you. Don't be troubled over this. That's the first thing that we can do. And when I hear those words, again, he says, see that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. And when I hear those words, immediately I go to John 14 that says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions that were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that if I go, I will come again. So there's two things that I think just from the word of God's perspective is what the body of Christ can do. First, we can't approach 24 with fear. We know about the coming war with China and Taiwan. That's already been declared by President Xi Jinping of China. He's informed the White House that they already have plans for the reunification of Taiwan, which means there's war coming there. And we can't approach 2024 with fear, we can't be troubled over these things. And the cure for a troubled heart is mentioned in John 14, which is all of these things has got to come to pass. Jesus is fixing to come. So we can look with a blessed hope toward the appearing of the Lord. I know that this seems to be redundant in many ways, but it looks like that the only message we have left to preach is prepare to meet thy God. That seems to be the only thing left that we can do is look to the Lord and preach the return of Christ in the middle of the air. I think we need to do it with biblical accuracy, and I think that we need to be correct in what we're saying. And the only correct answer for the body of Christ at this point is to not be in fear, but be in joy because our redemption draws nigh. That's just my immediate response to the first paragraph that he's wrote here. What can and should we, the body of Christ, do about this? I think we need to control our fear and look to the sky because Jesus is, is fixing to come back. It goes on to say there's no greater human tragedy than war. And this we would all have to agree with. The tragedy becomes magnified with unnecessary wars. I have personally witnessed the Lord giving to leaders who were headed for war the opportunity and wisdom to avoid them. Still, 
even those leaders who acknowledge these warnings as coming from the Lord did not heed them. The Lord is always faithful to give us opportunities to avoid such terrible human calamities. It is the devil who comes to kill and destroy, and nothing kills and destroys like war. I might add there, Jeff, that, you know, you can discipline your own children. I'll take it down to that. You can discipline your own children, just pick them up and wear them out and give them a spanking. I know lots against that. But the truth is, when you have to get to the place of the spanking, you've lost in your diplomacy. You've lost in your training and in your teaching. Because the goal is that the child will learn and the God, the child will use wisdom. If you will, I guess I'm putting the spanking down like that's war. Now, once you start throwing yeah. things around, you revert to war when diplomacy has failed. Now, in, in diplomacy, it still takes both sides wanting to use diplomacy. But when you come to war, what that means is... Everybody says, well, use diplomacy, use diplomacy, but you got somebody shooting at you. You've already went beyond diplomacy into war. And what we're saying there is a strong survive. So war is more of a, I'll even use the term prehistoric. War, it does bring resolve, but really the question is whoever wins in war, it's so destructive that it destroys everything that you can say, ah, it's like trying to win a fist fight and you're there and you lost three teeth and black eye and you say, well, I'll sure let him have. So when we get to war, we know that the diplomacy is over with. And the reason I make that point is when you get to the tribulation period, you got wars, rumors of war with man. But when you get into the tribulation period, that means God's done with diplomacy. So when we see tribulation coming on the scene from God, then when you had never seen a war, you had never seen times of trouble till we've got on God's last nerve. Yeah, and that's he right. Said, he says, okay, I'm done talking. And, you know, yeah. it's that way with life and with sin, Jeff. Sometimes it's just like God says, okay, you're not going to pay no attention to me. Just go get you some. Go sin. Yeah. And yeah. then the war of that sin, the destruction of that sin takes on its own destruction. He goes on to cite Winston Churchill here, and which, you know, you and I got hung up on Winston Churchill about a week ago, feeling like the Lord is trying to say something to us about Winston Churchill. Evidently, Rick did also, because he has in this article, Winston Churchill is considered the greatest wartime leader of modern times. He called World War II the unnecessary war. History reveals this most devastating war. Despite our chaotic and conflicted human history, he's saying it was avoidable. Even when it became unavoidable, had the leaders at that time recognized it had crossed this line and engaged this with resolve, its devastation could have been reduced to less than 1% of what it became because of their hesitancy and lack of resolve to fight when it was time to fight. So Rick's saying there's a time that it appears diplomacy fails and you just have to fight. Well, there's no doubt about that. Later on in the article, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but in the next paragraph, he says, the point is many lives can be saved if we will just recognize when a situation has crossed the line and act quickly and decisively. Then he quotes General Douglas MacArthur, who said, it is fatal to enter any war without the will to win it. That's and unfortunately, right. Alan, what we have today is leaders and leadership that don't have the resolve to acknowledge when it's time to fight. And quite honestly, it's been proven out to me, at least, that they don't know which war to fight in. You know, we are sending and have sent 
billions of dollars to the Ukraine to help them in their fight against Russia. Now, regardless of how you feel about that, consider the fact that we're now sending billions of dollars to Israel to help them in their fight with the Gazans. Right. In the coming year, we're going to end up sending billions of dollars to Taiwan to try to help with their defense. That's coming. Now, everybody's wondering where America's at in all this. I'll tell you where America's going to be. It's They're going to be in economic disaster to the point that I don't know that we'll be able to survive it. We're already there, I'm afraid. We're, we're already there, ahead. yeah. I mean, we owe $34 trillion as a national yeah. debt, and that's not even the debt. No one understands that, huh. this. That is merely the deficit on the debt. So mm-hmm. that being said, if that's true, consider the fact that we borrowed money from China to pay the interest on our debt. How then, in turn, are we going to borrow money from China to fund a war against China? That just seems uh, asinine to me and quite ludicrous. So that being said, when Douglas MacArthur said it's fatal to enter any war without the will to win it, there has not been proven in the present administration the will to win in any war. All we have seen from our administration is some kind of a hands-off approach. We'll give some money and we'll supply with some military machinery, but not even the machinery that is needed to win the war. It's merely enough that keeps the war going. So Mm -hmm. any kind of an appeasement type mentality proves out to be nothing more than just prolonging what is now unavoidable, and that is world conflict. Right. And we are in the presence of world conflict, whether people want to acknowledge it or not. Everybody's talking about how do we stop World War III? The truth is, is we're already in World War III. It's going on right now. You wouldn't feel that way. Yeah, oh, it's happening. Iran is funding a proxy war against the United States during this war with Israel and Gaza. That's happening. That's not something that we're, you know, looking at that might happen. That's going on as we speak. We are in a proxy war against Russia using the Ukrainian people. So I'm saying that China is about to go to war with Taiwan, which brings the East in. So you have the West involved, you have the North involved, you have the East involved, and Lying to the south of Israel is the Gazan conflict and the ships being targeted coming through the Red Sea. So the global supply chain of goods that comes out of the Red Sea is going to be affected and has already that's that's already started. That's being affected. 20% of the goods that comes out of the Red Sea has already been stopped. So I'm saying that there is world conflict, not on the horizon, but we're in the middle of it right now, whether Mm -hmm. by proxy or by soldiers. And and we need to understand that even our soldiers, there's been many of our soldiers that have been wounded and some killed during this conflict with Israel and Gaza by the Houthi rebels backed by Iran targeting our installations in Iraq and in Syria. So that's going on now. So Rick's conference, I'm hoping, and I'm going to be watching, as you posted on Kingdom, I'm going to, I'm going to be watching that to see what they say that the church is supposed to do. I still hold to, just from the immediate, I do hold to the fact that the church should not fear these things. We shouldn't be troubled over these things. Jesus tells us not to be troubled over this. But the only way to not be troubled over this and the way to do that, I mean, it's one thing to say, don't be troubled. It's another thing to say how. 
And how we are not to be troubled is to look to the skies for the coming of our Christ. That seems to be the biblical approach. And I think that that's what our message should declare is that Jesus is coming back in the middle of the air. I'm anxious to see what Rick's conference does in light of what he's wrote in this article. What should we do about this? That's what we should, you know. Right. One thing's for sure. When you go to war, you're saying that you're trying to come to a peaceful end. Mm-hmm. When you go to war, you have two sides that are have agreed that further dialogue will not take place. But it doesn't mean that one of the sides have given up on that. It just yeah. means you have to have both sides. If not, then you go to war. So anyway, Rick goes on to say in this article, those who lead during wars with only the goal of peace usually accept terms for peace which later lead to even more devastating conflicts. We must resolve to completely varnish, vanquish the evil that has manifested. As Joshua did, that I, so long as he held out the spear, Israel prevailed. When he drew it back, their enemies prevailed. Joshua finally held out the spear long enough for their enemies to be defeated. So he's showing there, citing the scriptures, that if you're going to fight, you got to fight it to the end. That's right. To fight, to start fighting and then pull back, you better off had you not even fought to start with. But I don't know how we apply that with the Ukraine situation, the Gaza situation. Looks like to me that Israel's going to finish what they started in the Gaza. Yeah, I have no doubt of that. You know, I'm intrigued by Rick writing in this article about the battle at AI with Joshua. I will say that one of the principles we can draw out of this He said, so long as he held out the spear, Israel prevailed. And when he drew it back, the enemies prevailed. And he finally held the spear out long enough for the enemies to be defeated. I think it speaks to us about a principle of warfare. I know that there's a lot of people, Alan, that would consider you and I as spiritualizing everything. And just be quite honest with you, I'm glad to be guilty of that. And I am guilty of that. I do believe that a principle drawn out of this is that the war that we are presently in can only be won through supernatural means. I think that the machinery of war and of the military is needed. I think that we have to engage with resolve and a goal to win the war and end the conflict. But the power and the strength of our resolve is going to have to be done through supernatural means. In other words, the body of Christ has a responsibility in warfare to intercede with such force on the side of right that with our intercession, there is supernatural strength manifested in the physical world that helps bring an end to the war. I really, I truthfully believe that. And just to illustrate that, we need to understand that those Palestinians that's fighting against Israel are fighting in the name of their God, which is a false God. And so the motive behind that is that of a supernatural entity. And I think that the only way that this war can find resolve and end is going to be through the intercession of the people of God. Again, I just want to make mention of how thankful I am that for what, however it ended up, I'm certainly glad that Mike Bickle did what he did in calling for an intercession for Israel before this war ever began. And I yeah. think that that is going to be what it's going to take in order to win this war. We saw, listen, that move that Mike Bickle started was not defeated. Though there were many wounded soldiers and Mike Bickle's one of them, 
But I will say that that strategy is the only strategy that can be used in a conflict of the nature in which we're in. And it's just like, you know, I find it interesting. Rick talks about Winston Churchill. You and I did some podcasts on it, but it's the same motive. That war, the very motive behind that war was the destruction of the Jews. The very motive of the war that's going on in the Middle East right now is over the destruction of the Jews and the annihilation of the state of Israel. Uh That is a spiritual matter. It has physical world ramifications, but it's a spiritual matter. It's a biblical matter. And Jesus spoke of that. Uh And so the body of Christ needs to rally around the spiritual side of this conflict, and great intercession is going to have to be raised in order to win this war. I believe that. Well, it's obvious uh, that with Rick, he believes that you have to have this resolve if you're going to do it. I wonder, Jeff, what happens, just like in the Ukraine, it appears that Israel has a resolve with the Gazans there in the Gaza Strip and the Palestinians. But in Ukraine, I mean, to me, Jerusalem, Israel had no choice, but to, uh, they were attacked. Yeah. And I understand that. But at the same time in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. we can say that the Ukraine was attacked. And we can also say we know that Russia just did not want Ukraine to be a member of NATO, mm-hmm. even though we know they started pursuing that. And now, but I might say this, Jeff, at this point in time, they are not a member of NATO. But yet mm-hmm. the United States and different countries of the, this world are treating them like they are part of NATO. Yes, Absolutely. And that's and, a provocation uh, in that conflict. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no oh, doubt that, that that's yeah. part of the problem. From a spiritual perspective, it makes me wonder if that's not the uh, eastern leg of the uh, Roman Empire reforming in that conflict, which we know has is going to happen. That's going to happen at some point. And but what part are you wonder, saying? You talking about I, I, the conflict or Ukraine? yeah, I'm saying that yeah, I'm saying that the eastern leg of the Roman Empire ended up in the Ukraine in the first millennium. Mm-hmm. That being said, it makes me wonder if there is not some kind of a reforming that's taking place, or at least the beginning stages of it, with that conflict between Israel and Ukraine. Is that could that be? I'm asking the question. Could that be a partial reforming of the old Roman Empire that we know is going to have its its capital in Babylon, and the Bible being centered basically around two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem? So you've got this conflict going on in the Middle East, and you know the motive is to destroy the Jews, and the reason they want the Jews destroyed is because they want Jerusalem as their city, as their capital city. The Muslims mm-hmm. do. So you've got this war going on in the Ukraine between Ukraine and Israel that is in some ways the beginning stages, I believe, of the reforming of the Roman Empire. Right. And that has its its motive in taking over the papacy and establishing Babylon as its commercial hub and its right. religious hub. Right. And to think that Vladimir Putin is not a religious man, you're deceiving yourself. Yeah, He's right. extremely religious. And it just makes me wonder, all of these things that we're seeing move, it's like seeing pieces on a puzzle that's being put together or pieces of a chess match that's being laid out in strategic fashion for the Antichrist to come in. I'm talking about in the physical world for the Antichrist to come in and and to declare peace and sign the covenant with Israel and many that we talked about yesterday from Daniel 9. I think the question I have for you is, 
is this war in 24 that Rick's talking about? Is that what we're seeing? And then when he quotes, this is an unnecessary war, I agree with him. It does not have to be this way. I think if the body of Christ engaged with passion and directive, unfortunately, we're living in this Laodicean time when people are more concerned about their money than they are the Lord. And they're saying, we don't need the Lord. We have all that we need. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're living in that Laodicean age, and it's really hard to rally the troops. And when you do have a rallying call, it's like the church executes the leaders of that movement before it can mm-hmm. totally form. So we're kind of spiritually in a, an unhealthy state to face this, what is maybe an unnecessary but unavoidable conflict. Well, Rick cited Alexander the Great here, which I thought it was you know, very revealing. It's a great quote, yeah. said, Alexander the Great famously said, I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Yes. says, yes. we can have the most capable army on the planet and still be defeated if our leaders lack clarity, resolve, and wisdom. And I'll tell you, Jeff, the hesitancy in making decisions has always contributed to a good decision turning into a bad decision because it's all about timing. You can have a great decision, but hesitate, yeah. and then exercise it a week later. And what was once a great decision turned out to be the wrong decision. So hesitation, when it's time to move, you got to move. That's right. And that's what Churchill was saying. He said World War II was the unnecessary war. He's talking about the magnitude of the war. He says Hitler could have easily been defeated in 1938 when Germany began threatening its neighbors. At the time, it was estimated this would have taken weeks and at a cost of 20,000 casualties. The Nazis general later agreed with this assessment, realizing when they toured the Czechs for formifications in 1938, they could not have defeated them. Still, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain and his French counterpart considered this an honorable price, a horrible price to pay, and decided instead to pursue a policy a policy of appeasement. So here you can see that had they exercised and made a decision and moved on it, that actually the quick resolve and movement of true leadership would have minimized the casualties of the war. Yep. And it says it went on to have a human cost between 50 and 100 million. Think of it. So you've got 20,000 versus 50 to 100 million just because some leaders hesitated. And I think you'd agree with this, Alan. Don't you think that instead of a lot of Winston Churchills that are in place, we have a whole lot of Neville Chamberlains that are in place as yes, far as yes. leadership? And so we're facing a war on many fronts in 24, as Rick points out, and I would declare that one of the wars we're facing is our own elections. And if we get this one wrong, it's going to have devastating ramifications. For such a time as this, people need to be on their face before God to see who it is that God is raising up in the fashion and form of a Winston Churchill. Because we're we're going to be in trouble. I go as far as to say this, Jeff. I'm going to say that Mike Bickle is a casualty of war. And I'll tell you why. You can say, well, he was in sin and did this and has been and yada, yada, yada. 
and I'm not defending anybody's sin. Don't get me wrong. I'm just shocked when anybody thinks there's somebody without it, I guess. Do we, you and I, condone sin for years or a month? Or Of course we don't embrace that at all. But Mike Bickle is guilty fighting a war for the kingdom of God. I don't think he lost. I think his main mission, if you will, was held back in May of last year. Yeah. That worldwide global prayer for Israel. Yeah. That, if, his, right. if his whole purpose of ministry was for that one event, I don't think that's a failure. Now, do I think he's a casualty of it? And did he sin or has he sinned? I mean, I personally don't know. But even if he has or if he has not, I still would put him down as a casualty of war. I would absolutely put him down as a casualty of war. And I would further say that if Mike Bickle fulfilled his destiny in the call that was on his life and the purpose behind his life was for this prayer movement of over 5 million people that he rallied to pray, the consequence of past behavior may have left him uncovered after that was over. Mm -hmm. And as a result of it, he became wounded. Mm -hmm. uh, I think great compassion ought to be shown toward our wounded warriors. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Mm -hmm. I think a matter of honor should be bestowed upon those who have paid such a horrible price for going to war in the kingdom of God. However, I understand the mentality and perspective of those that want to be God's police force. I would say, Alan, that what it speaks to me is that God's destiny on the individual's life will be completed as he promised. He mm -hmm. said what he started in us, he will perform. I don't necessarily think Mike Bickle had a whole lot to do with that. That was the Lord's calling. It was just the fact that Mike Bickle was the vessel that God chose to use. And because of that, I'll, I will honor that place, that position and that vessel that God uh -huh. chose to use. And I think if we looked at each other with that paradigm, I think it would be great. We had a guy in our church not too long ago that said, had this statement. He said, God had spoke to him. And he, he said in one of his prayers at one of our home group meetings, he said this, he said, I want to look at my neighbor the way God does. And I'll be honest with you. I want to look at Mike Bickle the way God does. If we did that, I think it would change a whole lot of our perspective. But nonetheless, Amen. there is this call, and I love that quote, I'm not afraid of an army of lions led by sheep, That's but right. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. We need some lion-like leaders, and right. we need some leaders keeping with what Rick said that don't lack clarity, they don't lack resolve, and they don't lack wisdom. What Those three elements there, Alan, we could do a podcast on each one. But just think of the first one. If our leaders lack clarity, I say that to leaders in the church and leaders of our nation, that we cannot lack clarity at this point. We cannot be in the mushy middle for the sake of manners, I guess, appease those with every opinion. We have to be resolved around the word of God, and we cannot lack clarity. We need to speak the word of God with wisdom, with clarity, and with resolve. Mm -hmm. And that's what's needed in this day. That's right. All right, Mr. Rowland, we need to cut it off here. We've run out of time. And I think it's been a very serious conversation we've been having here this morning on these topics. Well, I think we need to do a part two tomorrow. And see great. what you think. And, and uh, I hope we'll that do a part two. And yeah, and I hope that the members of Kingdom Prophetic Society, if you're listening and you're not a member, please go to kingdompropheticsociety.org and join 
It doesn't cost anything. Just be a member so that you can get this feed on this conference. I think that would be phenomenal. Okay, Mr. Rowland, have a good day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, Mr. Smith. See you, buddy. Bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith & Rowland Show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrollinshow.podbean.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.